welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. And welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. I'm Rhonda Arald, and we are so glad to be here with you today. Um, Laura, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Laura Forehand. I teach second grade in Northwest Missouri. So excited to be here um, with you, Rhonda, and our very special guest today. Yes. Um, I'm a retired second grade teacher. Laura and I are both um, Whole Brain Teaching Executive Board members, and we work with certification. Mm-hmm. And we are so delighted to have Executive Board member Sarah Metter joining us today on the podcast. Sarah has been on previous podcasts, of oh, several of them, um, episode 22, Explaining Gestures and Brainies, episode 34, Opening the Door. And I think you were on our PBIS um, podcast too, weren't you, Sarah? Talking I think about it was, that. yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome back, Sarah. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I just have to tell you both how amazing this podcast is and how I'm so grateful for all the time and effort that you two put in. I know it is your baby and you just do a spectacular job with it. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sarah. We are really glad to have you back because I feel like you just have a a wealth of information. And today we're going to be talking about the scoreboard and just the latest updates to the scoreboard. So we've done a podcast on the scoreboard, but things have kind of changed over since the last time we did um, a podcast on the scoreboard. So, but I wanted to start with people that are not familiar with the, the scoreboard, um, why or what is the purpose of the scoreboard in our whole brain teaching classrooms? Like, why do we use a scoreboard? That is a great question and a great question to start with because what you're not going to use a game if you don't see the value or the purpose exactly. in it. And in whole brain teaching, we have lots of different strategies for engaging your students, for um, in improving their social skills for, you know, all different facets of, of what happens in the classroom. But the biggest question we get is how do you help the kids be motivated to mm-hmm. do all of those things, you know, to do deep critical thinking and to really, uh, step outside of their comfort zone with the no fear classroom strategies and all of those things. How do you get kids to do it? Well, the scoreboard, that's your motivator. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at Um, our amazing website, wholebrainteaching.com, you can click motivation at the top. And when you go to that page, you'll see there's two motivating strategies. One is the scoreboard and the other is super improver. And these two games together are the the engine that drives the car. You know, Mm -hmm. if you think about the car being um, the engagement strategies with the magic circle and the social skills strategies of uh, cheery dice and, um, you know, all of those strategies that are leaving my brain at this moment, because of course, I'm on the spot. Um, But if you look at all of the whole brain teaching strategies as the car, what is it that drives the car? 
that's the motivational strategies of the scoreboard and super improver. And they are two separate games. A lot of times people will, you know, when I talk to them, they kind of get confused about which is which. And so the best way I can explain it is that the scoreboard is your in the moment engager. So in the moment, if you need to increase engagement or reteach expectations, this is your whole class motivator. And you use it in the moment to say, you know, hey, this is what the expectation is. You're meeting it or this is what the expectation is and you're not meeting it or here's where your energy is. We need to increase it or even decrease it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the in the moment game to, to adjust all of those things. Um, the super improver is where you are going to really focus on improvement. And that's more of an individual game. So that's the difference between the two. So why do you need the scoreboard? Because all day long with our students, we are constantly reteaching our expectations. Mm -hmm. If you get to the end of your day and you're exhausted and frustrated because you said the same thing 37 million times, you didn't use the scoreboard. And that's what the scoreboard lets you do. It lets you do all of that reteaching and pre-teaching of expectations and all of that energy management uh, in the form of a game that's fun to play. Mm-hmm. And that's the purpose. Awesome. Well, I would always realize, like, if I had a bad day, I'd mm-hmm. think, back, what did I do wrong? And I'd look at my scoreboard and I hadn't used my scoreboard enough. There wasn't enough tallies on there. And that, you know, so that was my goal for the next day is to work that scoreboard a little bit harder. Yeah. So what are some of the highlights of the latest edition of the scoreboard and how is it different from the previous scoreboard that we've had before? Sure. So in looking at, you know, changes of whole brain teaching over the years, if you've listened to the podcasts for a while, or if you've used whole brain teaching or learned about them, strategies are are always changing and being tweaked to make them the most effective. And we've got a great research and development group that meets every Thursday. If you're interested in being a part of that group, you can email PD, like professional development, PD at wholebrainteaching.com and just send an email, a persuasive email explaining why you'd be a great part of that team. But that team works at looking at, you know, what should tweaks be made to different strategies. And Along the way, the scoreboard's been around for a long time since I started in 2013. And the basic idea of the scoreboard is you have a T-chart. And on one side of the T-chart is the good, and the other side of the T-chart is the bad. Uh, When I started back in 2013, it was smileys versus frownies, if you're familiar with that. And so um, through the years, that has changed just to more closely align with our super improver. And so in younger grades, they use an animal theme um, in Super Improver. The lowest animal is the turtle. The highest is the alpha hawk. And somewhere in the middle is the wolf. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a tweak to the scoreboard was instead of playing smileys versus frownies, you play turtle versus wolf. And then later in the year, you play wolf versus living legend or, you know, some, uh, I guess, black marlin would be a good one. Um, But all of the tweaks still come down to the foundation of You've got the good and you've got the bad. Mm -hmm. The newest tweak to the scoreboard would simply be that you're playing turtle versus alpha hawk and that you can play all year long. So it's turtle versus alpha hawk, alpha hawk being the top. Um, If you're familiar with the alpha hawk wall or one of the newer strategies currently in research and development, the alpha hawk island, um, that's kind of the the ultimate end all be all. So in the scoreboard, we play turtle versus alpha hawk, turtle being not meeting the expectations, not showing the energy um, that we want at this moment and alpha hog being meeting those expectations or having the energy that we want at this moment. Um, So the tweaks there are are relatively small. 
um, basic structure of the scoreboard is when you see a student um, who's not meeting those expectations, you're going to not, excuse me, when you see the class, not an individual student, when you see the class not meeting those expectations, you're going to stop and you're going to be very specific with your language. So you can say things like, oh, I don't see all eyes on me on that class. Yes. Or I didn't see big enough gestures during that teach. Okay. Or, you know, whatever that expectation is that you want uh, and you didn't see, you're going to be very explicit Mm -hmm. and you're going to mark a turtle point on the scoreboard. And when you mark that turtle point, you just teach your students. When I mark this point, you're going to lift your shoulders real high. You're going to push them down and give a big mighty groan. It's going to sound weird on a podcast, but it sounds (laughs) like this. So students just give a real deep guttural one second mighty Mm -hmm. groan. And you teach your students that and you practice that in the beginning of the year. We always want to practice strategies before we actually need them. So we practice that. And then the opposite side is true. When your students are meeting expectations, you want to stop and you want to be specific with that language. So I, I see all eyes on me during that class. Yes. Or that class. Yes. Was super fast with hands folded or during that teach. Okay. I saw really big gestures. Um, or that during that three Pete, you all had your notebooks out by the third time you said that word notebook. Um, anything that you're that you're using, whether they be whole brain teaching strategies or not, when your students are meeting, this is your chance to say, "Hey, yes, please do this more." But right. be specific with your language, and then you mark that alpha hawk point on the scoreboard. When you mark that alpha hawk point, the students do a one second party, so they clap their hands, throw them in the air, and yell, "Oh yeah!" And all of that happens in one, one second. That's why we call it a one second party. Mm-hmm. So the foundation of the scoreboard since I started uh, has never really changed. You have this good side and bad side. Um, when you see this ex- these expectations and you want to either reteach them or acknowledge that your students are doing them, you use the scoreboard. You mark a point on either side, either with the mighty groan or the mighty oh yeah. Okay. So that's the basic idea. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last few years, there has been um, kind of a push to help teachers to use this strategy, I guess I would say, because, you know, all of our, our staff members, uh, our board members, you two included, myself included, we're all working or newly retired. Congratulations, Rhonda. <laughs> uh, teachers. So we, we use this in the classroom, right? You guys use it. I use it. And we get bogged down with all of the same things that every teacher does. You know, like Rhonda said in the beginning, you you go to the end of the day and you're like, oh, I'm so exhausted. You look at your scoreboard, you hadn't used it. So what is a way that we can help teachers to remember to use it? And so um, what we've tried in the past is to divide your scoreboard into four quarters. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what uh, the last last podcast really focused in was divide your day into four quarters and play a scoreboard game each quarter. Mm -hmm. And that is still a spectacular strategy. You can absolutely still continue to do that. Um, So with that strategy, you look at your your whole day, if you're an elementary teacher, and you divide it, divide your whole day into four different periods or four different sections. And each of the different sections, you play a different scoreboard game. Love it. Awesome. We're still hearing from teachers that it's still hard to remember to play it. And so one of the newest tweaks um, that is really great for any teacher that's just starting is to simply let yourself play for five minutes whenever you want. And so that's what we're suggesting that teachers start with is just set a timer for five minutes. Uh, A great tweak to that came from Andre Desitel, another executive board member, 
who said, get a student to be in charge of the scoreboard timer. And whenever that student chooses, they grab the scoreboard timer and say, all right, we're playing the scoreboard for the next five minutes. And you give that responsibility over to the student. Um, and when that timer starts, really what it does is it helps you as the teacher remember to use the scoreboard. And these five minutes, I'm really going to be looking for and marking points. I'm really going to be reteaching my expectations during these five minutes. And at the end of the five minutes, your game is done. And you look to see who won. Did the Turtles win or the Alpha Hawks win? And the class wins if there are more Alpha Hawk points than Turtle points. So that's probably the, the newest, biggest tweak is what we're saying to new teachers that are just starting is we, we've always said you got to go slow to go fast. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, play for five minutes and that's it. And if you only play for five minutes once a day, hey, that's more time than you played yesterday. And then later, maybe you can do a couple different five minute games throughout the day. So maybe you get back to your four period scoreboard and you're playing a five minute scoreboard game four times a day. Um, maybe later when you're, you're really embedding this strategy into your you know, foundational teaching, maybe you play for the whole entire day. You control the game, the game does not control you. So whenever you choose to play, that is completely up to you. Start small and build. And that's pretty much it. Those are kind of the, the I guess, the history of scoreboard and the newest tweaks that have come along. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially as a new teacher, because there's mm -hmm. so much to kind of get started and get in place. And so I can understand that. Now, I've read in one of coaches books, and I've heard it on some of our um, one hour zooms in our conferences, the for the mighty grown, they're doing the wham. Is that more mm -hmm. for lower grades? Or is that just an option? You can do the wham or the mighty grown? That is a great question. I teach eighth grade. So in eighth grade, we do the mighty groan with the with the deep yeah. guttural sound. But yes, you absolutely can do the wham where you put your two hands next to your eyes like a crying motion and you do the wham. And that's totally fine too. And again, we come back to it's your classroom. Right. So you with all of the whole brain teaching strategies, what I love so much is there is a foundation and we will teach you the foundation and the rules. Um, but then you have to tweak it for your students and for what works for you. So yes, you can do the mighty oh yeah with the clap and the hands in the air, and then the mighty groan, which is the where with the two eyes, uh, two hands next to your eyes. Um, upper grades can do the mighty groan with the guttural sound, which is uh, the original sound too. Yeah. My students, you know, I had my eighth graders and I could just tell they weren't really into it. So I said, all right, I want you guys to come up with what is a one second thing that you can do when you lose a point on the scoreboard, which it's not really losing, you know, it's a turtle yeah. point or an upper grade. So we play scrub versus alpha hawk because our super improver board starts at scrub. Um, so when we get a scrub point, what do you want to do? And that year, my students wanted to pound on their desk. And so that's what we did. My students just went Ugh! And, and pounded right on their desk. They only got one. And of course, we practiced it. So we knew what it should sound like, what it shouldn't. It's a great chance for you to practice wrong way. So I let them do it the wrong way, which is very entertaining. <laughs> and then you pull them back and you do it the right way. Um, so you can tweak it and change it to whatever works for you. But thank you for bringing that up, Rhonda. That's very true. Okay. And then um, I just thought of another question too. There was a lot of PBIS teachers in um, the last um, conference that I had and they worry about they can't do the wrong way. So how would you explain that scoreboard is not a wrong way with the PBIS? 
Tell me more about what you mean with PBIS and that they can't do the wrong way, like wrong way, right way practice. Yeah. yeah or- explaining that the scoreboard, like the turtle is the wrong way. And oh. the alpha is the right way. Go yeah. ahead, Laura. Yeah. So this comes up in my school because we are a PBIS school. I don't mean to interrupt, but so we cannot with our students have them practice the wrong way. It has to be a teacher that's practicing the wrong way. And then not the students can practice the right way, you know, but the, the students cannot practice the, how to do something wrong according to, you know, our district's PBIS, you know, rules or curriculum that we have. So have you come, I, I hear what you're saying, Rhonda, have you come in to um, that sort of problem, Sarah? Gosh, that's a really interesting question. So our district has been PBIS for the last few years. I was actually our PBIS coach. So I went to lots of trainings and I've never, ever heard of that rule. Um, But you know, lots of, lots of districts and lots of listeners have specific things that your district for whatever reason says you can or can't. Um, When that happened in my district, I just went ahead and got on the committee and became head of the committee for a while, at least in my building. So I could steer us in what I believe to be the right direction, which was all right teaching. Um, But if you have those kind of situations, just the example you came up with, Laura, is um, we're going to talk about two different things. One is the wrong way, right way practice. So the whole ring teaching strategy, wrong way, right way kind of goes along with the rules and uh, is a way for your students to do it wrong and Mm -hmm. then they do it right. Right. If in districts, you know, they're saying you can't do that. Well, then your idea of the teacher models it wrong and then the students model it right. You could even have your students shout out ideas of what you should do to do it wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're go back to, this isn't scoreboard related, but, but wrong way, right way practice. If you're looking at, you know, class, yes. All right. So class, yes requires you stop what you're doing, look at the teacher and fold your hands. I want you all right now think about if I was going to do class yes the wrong way, if I was a student, what are some things I could do to do it wrong? Think about it just for a minute. Now everybody shout it out at me. What are the wrong ways? And then you as a teacher would say things like, oh yes, I wouldn't fold my hands. Oh, I'm not looking at the teacher. I turn really slow. And so you're just gathering all of these wrong way ideas. Um, And then you can have your students practice it and in actuality practice it the right way. So just generating ideas maybe is another way to to do that same practice, but without having them actually do it wrong. As far as the scoreboard goes, there isn't a wrong way, right way. What we're doing is noticing what our students are actually doing. And so the turtle side isn't, hey, I want you to do it the wrong way. It's instead, I noticed you're doing it the wrong way. It's, oh, I need all eyes on me when you say yes after a class yes. Uh, And I didn't see all eyes on me. That's turtle, mighty grown. Or I noticed when you're, I don't say it in that long of a sentence, I wouldn't say I noticed. I would just say, oh, not big enough gestures. That's turtle, mighty grown. Mm -hmm. And so you're really specific with what they're actually doing that isn't meeting the expectations. And that very clearly aligns with PBIS strategy, where Mm -hmm. you're constantly reteaching your expectations with PBIS and nothing against PBIS, but typically there's, you know, a matrix of expectations that are posted in different locations. Um, But the problem with that is it requires you to use that poster and not a lot of teachers will use that poster or reflect or look back on that matrix during their teaching. So if you know, students are supposed to have their eyes on the target and the target right now is their book. 
you could stop and say, oh, class, and your students say, yes. I notice not everybody has their eyes on the target. That scrub, mighty groaned. Show me right now, point to what is your target? Oh, yeah, that's right. Your book is your target. So when I say go, you're going to all go back to your reading and show me what it looks like to keep your eyes on the target. Go. And then you can say, yes, that's what it looks like to keep your eyes on the target. That's Alpha Hawk. Give me a mighty. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the great, uh, brilliant sections of the scoreboard is that whenever you mark a, a turtle point, it's a great opportunity to give your students another chance mm. to try again. You know, if I saw, I didn't see big enough gestures during that teach okay, that's turtle, mighty grown. Let's try it again. This time, I want you to teach your neighbor what we just learned with big gestures, clap, clap, teach. Students say clap, clap, okay. They do a full turn. And this time they're doing bigger gestures. And the secret is their gestures were okay, but I just wanted them to review it again. So I'm going to mark a scrub point. So they review again, this time with more energy and bigger gestures. The next time I call them back with a class, yes. Ooh, yes. Those are the gestures I want to see. Let's mark an alpha hawk point. Oh yeah. So you're using the scoreboard, not as a wrong way, right way against mm -hmm. any other kinds of practices, but a, here's what you're doing that doesn't meet my expectations. Let me reteach you in a positive game format because I'm not scolding and we know scolding mm -hmm. does not work. So if right. you say, oh, you guys, your gestures were not very big. That's not good. I need bigger gestures. That's their motivation to do it. Mm -hmm. So you mark, instead, you mark a turtle point, you let them try again, and then you come back and mark an alpha hog point if they were better. Those are all really good ideas. I really liked your idea about um, having the kids shout out the wrong way, mm -hmm. you know, instead of having them. Try. Although I will tell you that before we went to a PBIS school and I had my kids practice the wrong way, they absolutely loved it. And the way they would then come back and show you the right way was it was amazing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I do I like mean, it's fun. Time. It's yeah, it's fun in a school when you're not supposed to ever do things wrong, especially for our rule following <laughs> kids. They they're now getting to do it the wrong way. But here's yeah. the tricky nature of it: they're doing it wrong, but really they're doing it right because that's what I asked them to do. That's right. So for our challenging kids, this is the first time you're going to praise them. You know, again, yeah. this isn't scoreboard, but wrong right. way, right way practice is you know a student who's not looking at you and not folding their hands when you're doing the wrong way of class. Yes. You're going to praise them. Oh, I love that. Great job. Not folding your hands. Oh man, you do the wrong way. Really good. And you really praise them for that. And then you come back and have them do it the right way and praise them for that too. And then when you go to use the scoreboard, you have that to reflect on, mm -hmm. you know, you come back later, you're, you're actually using, you can do wrong way, right way. When you're practicing the strategies, when you don't really need them, but then when you're actually using them, when you need of fast class, yes, or you need big gestures, or, you know, you need quieter voices, or whatever it is that you're that you're expecting, you can then use the scoreboard to in that moment, say yes, that's what I want, alpha hot point, or mm -hmm. nope, we didn't get it. Turtle point, let's try again. Right. I wanted to kind of touch something that we've had in the, the old scoreboard. And I'm assuming this is still in the new scoreboard. Can you talk about like when you, is there a certain range you should keep the 
the alpha hawk versus the turtle points or scrub versus alpha hawk. I mean, do you want to keep the game close? I know that was part of the game a while back. So can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. You're talking about the plus or minus three Mm -hmm. rule and that is absolutely still in effect. And how we best explain it is imagine that you're at say a basketball game and it is fourth quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. And the score is 65 to two. You're not really watching. You're not really paying attention. Um, if there is an event where there's a lot of people you're already thinking about, maybe you should leave now so that you don't have to fight traffic. Um, and you're not really vested in the game. You know, if the, the team that has two scores a basket, you're like, yeah, good job. And even if the team that's up by 60 or whatever I said, scores a point, you're like, yeah, whatever. You're not invested in the game. But if the game is close, if it's 60 to 58, you are on the edge of your seat. You are watching every player's move. You are cheering at everything. And you haven't once thought about leaving early. And that's the best kind of game. The best games, the ones you're most invested in, are the games that are close. So with our scoreboard, we say as a teacher, you don't let your students know of this rule. But as a teacher, you want to try to keep the game within three points. So turtles or alpha hawks are never higher than three points different in their game. Um, And the best way to to do that, to keep that score close, is what we talked about earlier is really a strategy called ping-ponging. So if you will just use big gestures because that's an an easy one to go to. If you had your students do a teach okay and some collaborative learning and their gestures weren't as big as you wanted them to be, you call them back and say, ooh, those gestures were not as big as I wanted them to be. Turtle point mighty grown or when, and then you let them try again and you come back. Oh, those gestures were big. That's alpha hawk mighty. Oh yeah. You just marked two points on the scoreboard, but you didn't actually change the score. So ping ponging allows you to mark a point on either side, which still keeps the game close, but it doesn't make one team, you know, fly off into, into the world. Um, You can ping pong too in other ways by saying, you know, oh, I didn't see everybody's eyes on me. That's turtle mighty grown, but I did see Billy's eyes on me in the back and Billy, that is awesome. I'm so proud of you because I've been working on that. Billy, you just earned the whole class an alpha hawk point mighty. Oh yeah. So you can ping pong in any way where you're marking both sides, as long as you're explicit in what you're doing. Um, And another key component that that brings up is you can always call out an individual student for an alpha hawk point. So Billy, man, you had the fastest class yes turn. You just earned the whole class an alpha hawk point. Mighty, oh yeah. Everybody else, you are not as fast as Billy. That's turtle, mighty grown. So there's a ping pong there. Um, But you never want to point out a turtle point for an individual student. So you would never say, Billy, you are slower than everybody else. This turtle point is from you, mighty grown, because now the world will turn on Billy so fast. Mm -hmm. So especially with our beloved rascals, if we can pick out behaviors and expectations that our beloved rascals are exhibiting that could earn the whole class a point, it's a great way to get those beloved rascals invested in the game, um, you know, because now they're earning points for the whole team. Think of a basketball team. If Mm -hmm. you've got that one player that, you know, hasn't really been participating, hasn't really really been a good teammate, but he makes a basket, the whole team is going to cheer for that one player, which can help bring them further into the team. And that's what we're always trying to build is, you know, connections 
student to student connections between teachers and students, and the scoreboard can help them all to to increase their their ability to work together as a team. I w- I'm glad you brought that up because I was just going to ask you that question about when it's a turtle point, you know, pointing to that student and saying, you know, and mentioning them by name. We never want to do that because mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm. creates that creates a, a lot more problems. So I'm glad mm-hmm. absolutely. I like scoreboard is because it unifies them as a team, as a class. And I think that's important. So I'm thinking about, okay, if I'm a new teacher and I'm only doing this for five minutes, just to kind of get my feet wet, getting used to it. I mean, what is my classroom management or how do I do this when I'm not playing the game? Is there any recommendations that you would have that I could do? I mean, I would just be afraid to just do it for five minutes and then they're going to be crazy after that five minutes because we're not playing the game. That's a great question. If you are a first year teacher and you don't have a bag of tricks already, play the scoreboard all day long, every day. But we have a lot of teachers that are starting to use whole brain teaching strategies after being in the classroom for a while. And, mm-hmm. and what that really means is we've learned, and this was me, I taught for 15 years before I started whole brain teaching. And I already had some things that I was using, obviously not effectively, or I wouldn't have gone looking for more strategies, right? right. Um, but changing those strategies and changing your fallback bag of tricks, that takes time. Um, And any teacher that's ever been in any PD and thought, wow, this sounds really great. And then you get up, you take your PowerPoint that you wrote notes on, you go back to your room and you put it on a shelf and you never think about it again. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Changing your teaching practice um, takes time. And so that's where this five minute rule or this five minute game kind of comes into play. Really, the purpose is to get you to have that become your fallback. That's your, that's your practice. I can't imagine now teaching without the scoreboard or looking for improvement or using gestures or using the magic circle. Cause I've been doing it so long that it's just part of how I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get there, you have to practice it. You know, if we want our students to be good at doing new techniques, they have to practice. And as teachers, we have to practice too. So playing for five minutes using that timer is a way for you as a teacher to just remember to use it because it's new to you. But after you've practiced, after you're used to doing it and you're feeling more confident in doing it, you do it more. So I, I think that answers your question, Rhonda. That, yeah, I think this yeah. Now, I know it was, I don't know if it was like in the testing phase. I, Starball was popular uh, last year and teachers were trying that out. So why the switch back to scoreboard, do you think? Great question. So Starball was another (laughs) tweak. If you've heard about Starball, um, you've been around for a year or so. If you've never heard about Starball, that is okay too. It's a different variation of the same exact game of the scoreboard of smileys and frownies or turtle and alpha hawk of not meeting and meeting. That's really what it all comes back to. And it's just a different way to play. Um, But what we found is the tried and true method of scoreboard is the one that you get the biggest bang for your buck. And so that's why we're really looking at just continuing to, to train teachers in how to use this scoreboard with, with the tweaks of play it for five minutes, whenever you choose um, to help you remember to, to do it. Um, Another new tweak is that um, you're going to start the year with scoreboard. And we've really found a lot of uh, great effect in, in locking things. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, we look at whole brain teaching like a living video game. And so when you start a new video game, you don't have all of the things in level one, you know, you have to earn them in any game. You have to complete levels to get new experience points or new weapons or new, you know, outfits or whatever game you're playing, you don't get everything at the beginning. And so that's what we're looking at with um, locking different elements of whole brain teaching. So you can lock all of the levels of your super improver and they only unlock when you have a student get to that level. Um, To take it a step further, we're going to lock the entire game of super improver. And we're not even going to play super improver until we have 10 scoreboard wins. 10 scoreboard wins unlocks the super improver. And this connects to another strategy that has been tried out uh, recently, uh, especially through COVID and virtual teaching, um, was the idea of Staries. So Staries was, during virtual teaching and COVID, a really great way to still get that scoreboard-esque type interaction. Um, But the scoreboard just wasn't as easy to use during virtual teaching and COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, But the idea of you got a certain number of staries to unlock your super improver. Um, so we kind of merged those, those things that worked during COVID. And I don't know about you, but I found a lot of things that I was forced to change during this crazy last couple of years. I've now thought, oh, that actually works really good. I'm going to keep doing that. Um, and I probably never would have tried it if I hadn't been forced to do that. And I bet some people listening can think of a couple strategies um, that are like that too. So Staries is now no longer uh, a foundational part of whole brain teaching. If you still, if you use them and you love them, keep doing it because do what works for you. Um, But what we've tried to do is merge what works um, with what has always worked. And so that's why um, instead of Staries, you're going to play scoreboard and you need 10 wins in order to unlock the super improver. Um, It just really simplifies the plan. So let me review that again. Beginning of the year, day one, you play the scoreboard. Um, turtle points, alpha hawk points, be very specific and reteach those expectations. Um, ping-ponging to keep the score close. And at the end of the game, if the class wins, you just have a tally somewhere that we won when we played during this time. If you're playing all day long because you're you know, a veteran whole brain teacher and you play one scoreboard game all day long, cool. If you play different scoreboard games throughout the day, you know, maybe you're a second grade teacher and you start a scoreboard game in the morning and you play for five minutes and then you decide you want to play it again in the afternoon for another five minutes. Cool. That's two different games. So you decide when your scoreboard game starts and stops. But when the game stops, if you have more alpha hawk points than turtle points, you win and you have to get 10 wins to unlock the super improver. So that's kind of how all of those those different things go together. Now, this is, this kind of came up yesterday during um, our conference was that once you play for that five minutes, you erase those tallies. And when you play again, you start over, correct? That's exactly right. So once that timer goes off, your game is done and you look to see who won. If Alpha Hawk wins, then the class wins. If Turtle wins, the class doesn't win. And you can shout out, we got grit. We don't, we don't quit. It's another option for that. Um, that great motto to come into play. And if you're just starting out, you start that timer, you play for five minutes at the end of the game. Did we win or did we not win? And that's it. That's all you have to do. So, and when you, when you win, like, let's say you play it two times a day, 
and let's say you win one, can you, then you're down to like nine wins before you, okay, perfect. Just want to make yep, sure you got it. Yeah. You got it. So beginning of the year, you start playing, you need 10 scoreboard wins, 10 separate games and a new game starts whenever you decide it starts. Okay. So the easiest is every day, once a day, play for five minutes. Uh, you're is ready there, for more. You want to play more then you play more and that's okay. Is there anything that they unlock after they unlock super improvers with the scoreboard wins? Great question. So after you have your 10 scoreboard wins and you unlock the super improver, you can now explain, okay, now we're going to play this different game. Remember scoreboard and super improver are different. So we play this different game and this game we're focused on improvement. So you can go back and listen to some of the great podcasts on the super improver or go to the website, click on motivation and learn more about super improver. Um, but you can continue to play scoreboard in we suggest you continue to play scoreboard, even if it's just for that five minutes a day. Um, and now once Super Improver is unlocked, if the class wins in that scoreboard game, you've got you know, a way to tie these two games together. So if there is a scoreboard win, you now have earned a dice roll. And in that dice roll, if a one, two, or three comes up, they just all earn a bonus star on their super improver card. So it's an, an op opportunity to earn a bonus star. If a four or five is rolled, we shout, we got grit, we don't quit. And a six is always a re-roll. So these are two separate games, but there is a way for those games to connect, bringing in that uh, uncertain reward with the dice rolls. Okay, thank you. Wow, this is like been a great podcast. It's really helped me um, understand the the new scoreboard and, and that five minute increment. I, I think of it more for the new teacher or even me as I'm starting my new year as like building that stamina. You know how we help our our readers build stamina because we, we can't expect them to read for an hour the very first time they pick up a, you know, pick up a book. So it's building that stamina. So I, I absolutely love that. But this has just been a great podcast, Sarah. And we're so glad that you were able to join us and kind of break down the new scoreboard. And as you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, we want our listeners to go check out wholebrainteaching.com. Um, and, and check out what's on there because Sarah, you're the one that's been working tirelessly on that website. And so we're really grateful that you continue to update that information and bring it to us. And that new scoreboard information is on there. Um, it's just a great way to be part of the whole brain teaching community. And you can also follow our Facebook pages and our Instagram page to um, be a part of that whole brain teaching community. So thank you, Sarah, so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's always such a joy. And, you know, we, we as whole brain teaching staff members and executive board members, we spread these strategies for free. And that's part of whole brain teachings foundational, you know, motto is professional development should be free for teachers. And, and I thank Chris Biffle, our director, our founder for, you know, for leading that as the foundation, because you know, these strategies work, they work in our classrooms and, and we want to share it. We want to spread that fire. So if you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> spread that fire too. Yes. And the best way to do that, I think, is to join our Facebook groups. So there are grade level Facebook groups. Um, if you don't know how to get there, you can go to wholebrainteaching.com. They're all linked right on there. And you could, if you're a kindergarten teacher, you can join the kindergarten Facebook group and say, hey, 
I really want to try this scoreboard. Let me see yours. And that's kind of what's happening now as teachers are, you know, it's August right now and Mm -hmm. teachers are getting ready to go back into the classroom. If they're not already, it's almost August. It's still July. It'll be August. You're good. Right. There you go. We'll say it's August (laughs) right now. Um, And so you can say, Hey, show me your scoreboard. What does it look like? And, And really connect with a community of, of other teachers that are, that are using that. Mm-hmm. Um, on that same homepage of our website, you can see all of our staff members, Instagram uh, accounts too, where we always share, you know, as much as we can um, pictures of our classroom. My mm-hmm. Instagram is at WBT middle. And I do have some uh, information on mine um, for upper grade teachers. So if you want to see what it looks like um, in upper grades, but it's really all the same, you know, these are K-12 strategies that work everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I do have to say this because as an upper grade teacher, I can sometimes get from other upper grade teachers. Well, that works in kindergarten, but that will never work in upper grades. And if you think about it, all teachers lecture kindergarten, third grade, fifth grade, senior in high school, college level, all teachers lecture, but it just looks different. And that's whole brain teaching. All of these strategies are K-12, the same foundational ideas. They just look a little different at each grade level. Mm-hmm. So that's why the Facebook groups are great to really connect with people that are at your own grade level. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Sarah. I mean, your knowledge and how you explain things just makes it so easy to understand. And I think um, all of our listeners will enjoy listening to this podcast with the updates to the scoreboard. It is always a pleasure to have you on with us. And thank you to all our listeners for liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast. We are extremely grateful for each and every one of you. 